Congratulations to both couples. This afternoon, there will be a hymn sing here in the sanctuary at 3 p.m. So all who want to sing some hymns, I hope to see you here this afternoon. The all-church Thanksgiving dinner will be this Wednesday, November 15th at 3.30 p.m. The church will be providing the turkeys and the mashed potatoes and the stuffing. So all you have to do is bring yourself and get ready to eat. We want to thank everybody for the help that was provided. It is at 5.30 in the afternoon. The evening of November 15th. There are numerous other announcements in your bulletin. Please take the time to look them over. In the meantime, greet one another, and in a short while, we'll be back to start our service. Good morning, and welcome to all of you that are gathered here in the sanctuary, as long as at long, along with those that are listening to us on radio and watching us on Facebook Live. At this time, do you please rise and join me in our call to worship? This morning is taken from Psalm 110. Follow along with me. The Lord says to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings 
on the day of his wrath. He will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. Please remain standing for opening songs. How great is our God, how great thou art, and owe the blood.
that you would leave the presence of your Father to come down here for us. To provide the one and last sacrifice, Lord, that needed to be made. That we can come into your presence, Father, because of the love that you have for us. Father, continue to reveal to us that love, that we don't have to come here perfected, that we don't have to come here, Lord God, all cleaned up because we can't. We can't do it in of ourselves. It's only by your blood that cleanses us that we can come into your presence, Lord. 
May we be reminded every day that we take your presence with us, Father. And you have accomplished every victory here on earth that needs to happen. We just want to say we love you, Lord. And we are so grateful for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A couple things we want to share with you this morning as part of our service of worship before we go to the Lord together once again in prayer. First of all, we all know that yesterday was Veterans Day, which is an important day in our country, a time where we can honor those who have served this country and, and given so much uh, for, for our country. And so I want to take a moment and, and honor the veterans that are here with us this morning. If you're a veteran of the armed services, I invite you to stand at this time. We would love to thank you for your service and honor you this morning. Thank you all very much. Thank you to the, those that are represented here, but also to the many men and women around our community and our country who have given so much uh, for our country. Thank you for your service. We also have an opportunity this morning, uh, as you see, Celebration Sunday, we have an opportunity to uh, send off our, uh, these Christmas boxes and, and uh, with prayer and pray for those, not only for the boxes, of course, but for those that are receiving the boxes, that they would be blessed and encouraged by, by the gift, and also they would hear the gospel and receive it, because we know that with every box that is given, there's also an opportunity for those children and those families to hear the gospel. And so we're going to have an opportunity to pray for those things now. Uh, before we do that, I just want to say thank you to Sharon Colson. Thank you so much for being our OCC coordinator and all the work that you put in, not just this week, but year-round making this happen. Thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, we do want to ask also that if you're available, you see there are a lot of shoeboxes over there in the Heritage Room, uh, and there's a trailer parked outside the door. So after the service today, if you are able to help load up that trailer, uh, we're going to load that up, and then that trailer is also going to be heading to another church later today to load up shoeboxes over there as well before they're dropped off at the collection point. And so if you're able to help, I just encourage you after the service today, head over to the Heritage Room and, uh, and, and grab a couple boxes. Uh, Sharon, I believe a couple others are going to be helping kind of coordinate that because they want to get a, a final count um, because many of you are bringing boxes in with you today. So if you're able to do that, I encourage you to help out with that. Um, also, uh, just want to take time to let, let's pray together now. So I'm going to we have a couple boxes up here um, just as. You know, we often pray over things as a way to bless. We have a couple boxes up here representing the many, many boxes that are next door and in the, in the trailer already. So at this time, I just want to invite you to pray with me as we pray for OCC. And we'll also lift up the other needs in our church and our community today. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to give back, Lord, in this way. Uh, OCC is a ministry where we're able to uh, help those in need in a, in a very practical way. But Lord, also we know with every one of these boxes, they are receiving the gospel message. They are being told about your love and, and your grace and your mercy. And so we thank you so much, Lord, that we're able to help not just the practical needs of people around this world, but also meet their spiritual needs in hearing the gospel and, and pointing them to the love that you have for them. 
I thank you for all the, the families in this church that packed boxes and brought them in. Uh, thank you for the, the people around this community who have been doing that as well. And I pray, Lord, that, that as these boxes go forth, that, that you would bless those that receive them um, and that you would bless those who helped pack them and organize this as well. Uh, we just are so grateful for the opportunity, Lord, to give in this way and ask that you would bless the work of our hands, Lord, and that your kingdom would be advanced because of this. Uh, Lord, we know that the greatest gift that any one of us can receive is not found in a shoebox, it's not found under a Christmas tree, but it's the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, his blood shed for us, his, the eternal life that he gives to each one of us. And I pray that each and every person that receives this box, as well as each and every one who hears the sound of my voice now, would know and understand that for themselves. Lord, we also know and understand that there's plenty of other needs in our community. We know, Lord, that, that there are people who are hurting. We know that there are people who, who are struggling now for a variety of reasons. And we know that you are able to meet their needs as well. Lord, we just sang about your greatness, your, your goodness, your, and, and all that you've done for us. You've already given us yourself. How much more, Lord, could we possibly ask for? But we do now know because you gave us yourself and because you have given us everything through Christ, we know that you are able to meet our needs and supply our daily bread. And so for those that are hurting, we pray for healing, Lord. For those that are in need, we pray for provision. And where we are able to be the answer to prayer, Lord, we ask that you would equip us and empower us by your Holy Spirit to be the answer to prayer in those situations. Uh, Lord God, we also lift up uh, those in our authority over us as your word calls us to do. And so today we pray for our state uh, government, Lord. We pray for our governor, the state legislature, and the courts. We pray that they would have a hunger and thirst after your righteousness, that they would be filled. And I pray that you give them a wisdom beyond their means, that they may, uh, they may lead and, and, and guide us well, Lord, as we seek to honor you in all that we do. We pray these things in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. This time I want to invite our children forward with Pastor Tori for Children's Chat. have a good week? Yeah. yeah, good. Good, good. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to see if you're awake this morning and I'm going to give you a little pop quiz. Okay? You guys ready? All right. So, can someone tell me what sin is? What's sin? When you do something bad, yep. What else? Jojo? When you do something that God does not want you to do. Yes. So, what do we do when we sin? What should we do? Ask for forgiveness. Yeah. So, can we just do that on our own? Yeah, we can. So, 
before Jesus died on the cross, way, 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 way back in the Old Testament, how were God's people forgiven of their sins? What did they have to do? Do you know? This is a hard one, so if you don't get it, I get it. Pray. Pray. They had to kill an animal. So they had to bring animals to the temple for a sacrifice. And it had to be a certain kind of animal, and it had to be the best of that animal. No blemishes, no spots, no nothing. And so they had to bring those animals to the temple, and then the priests would offer them as sacrifices. So they would kill them, and they would put them on the altar, and that would be a way, the way that people were forgiven of their sins, right? So back in the Old Testament, there was a really special person in the temple, and he was called the high priest. And the high priest was responsible for going before the Lord once a year to make a sacrifice for everybody's sins. And so he would go behind this special curtain, and he would sacrifice, make one big sacrifice on behalf of all the people for their sins. And now he had to do this in a very specific way. It had to be done exactly the way God wanted him to, or he could be killed. It was a really important job, and he didn't stay behind the curtain too long because people would start wondering if something happened to him. Um, and so it was a very, very important job. And the high priest did this once a year, right? And so today, do we have to bring animals to the church for Pastor Joel to sacrifice for our sins? No, I don't think Pastor Joel would want to do that either. Um, why not? Because we have Jesus, yes. So Hebrews 4.14 says that Jesus is our high priest. And Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. And when he died, that curtain that the high priest would go behind in the, in the Old Testament, it was torn. It was torn from top to bottom. And so now nobody, can, nobody has to go to a high priest or to a pastor to make sacrifices for their sins. We can go directly to Jesus. We don't need a middleman either. We can ask for forgiveness for our sins whenever we want, right? That's pretty cool. It's really cool that we can just go straight to Jesus for anything that we need because Jesus is our high priest. He made it possible for us to come straight to God and receive forgiveness and help and all of those things, right? So we don't need someone to go in between for us. And I'm so thankful for that because I wouldn't want to have to bring an animal to the church to have a sacrifice. That would be a little bit hard for me. Um, and it would be a little messy, wouldn't it? But we have Jesus now. And Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins because he loves us so very much. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us, Lord, and to forgive us of our sins and to bring us into a relationship with you. God, I'm thankful that we don't have to have animal sacrifices anymore, that you were the sacrifice, Lord. And we thank you for laying down your life for us so that we could know you. We love you and we thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Tori. You guys can head back to your seats. As the choir comes forward for our offering this morning, I want to uh, remind you what it's for today. Our offering this morning so goes to support Clint Mahan with Athletes in Action. Clint has been with the organization for 16 years and currently serves as the international football coordinator within the global sports team of AIA. We've had direct connections with AIA here in New Knoxville in the past. We've hosted teams, and it's been a, a blessing that we've been able to, to connect 
Uh, AIA, or Athletes in Action, is affiliated with CREW, which used to be known as Campus Crusade for Christ. And they use sports as a means to disciple and encourage people spiritually and get to travel around the world, around this nation, sharing about the gospel. So Clint is uh, our, our offering this morning, and I encourage you to give as you feel led to give today. This time I want to invite the deacons to come forward to collect the offering.
If you could remain standing for our scripture reading this morning, which comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 11 through 28. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still a need for another priest to come, one who in the order of Melchizedek, not the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an undestructible life. For it is declared, you are forever, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it is And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, For his own sins and for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men in all their weakness. But the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are... Again, so grateful and so thankful that we have the honor and the privilege and the blessing and the joy to gather here in this place as your people to sing your praises and hear from your word. I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, move in this place, that your Holy Spirit would soften the hearts of and the minds of all those that are listening, both here in the sanctuary as well as those who are listening online or on the radio. And I also pray, Lord, God, that you would give me words to speak, words that are honoring and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we're getting near the end of our journey through the Bible. And and throughout the course of this year, one one of my goals with selecting scripture texts from the reading plan was to sometimes pick passages that we were familiar with, that we could kind of place in their proper context and be able to look at them in in that light. But as if you've been reading along in the Bible reading plan, you know that there are lots of passages of scripture 
that are difficult to understand, that are even read in context, are, are, are ones that we need to kind of wrestle with a little bit. And I find in the book of Hebrews that this whole conversation about Jesus being a priest in the order of Melchizedek is one of those passages that tends to puzzle me and puzzle others. And so the reason I picked this today was not because it's an easy, straightforward text, but because I think it's important for the theme of Hebrews and, and, and it's an important concept for us to understand uh, in light of all of Scripture, the role that Jesus pray, plays as our perfect and permanent high priest. You see, the book of Hebrews as a whole talks about how Jesus is greater than many of those uh, important and prominent Old Testament people and themes. He is the exact image of, of God's being. He is better than Moses. This new covenant is superior than the old. And throughout the book of Hebrews, you get this conversation of how Jesus is superior. He is greater than even the high priest. And so Jesus really is fulfilling that function that was described in the Old Testament. He is the perfect completion, bringing it to completion, what, what that Old Testament role of high priest was meant to be. You see, it's important to understand as we're reading through Scripture that all of the Old Testament ultimately points forward to Jesus, that everything in the Old Testament is, is, a, is a, uh, a shadow or sign or pointer to what is ultimately fulfilled in Christ. That doesn't mean those things weren't significant. That doesn't mean those things don't have important meaning. They do, but they, are, they find their meaning and they find their fulfillment in Christ. And the same is true for the Old Testament high priests and the sacrifices that are described. As Pastor Tori so helpfully put in the children's chat today, the role of the high priest was ultimately to, to offer those sacrifices, to to oversee the sacrifices for sin in the temple. They served as a mediator between God and man. They were the ones that stepped in the middle and, and coordinated those sacrifices so that their sins could be forgiven and that they could be put, once again, in a right relationship with God. And the greatest example of that is the Day of Atonement, that one special day, that holiday, where, where the high priest would offer a special sacrifice for the sin of all of God's people and would enter into that most holy place at the center of the temple and, and purify and cleanse uh, the, even the temple itself. And so that was the main function of the high priest, to, to mediate, to be a mediator between God and his people and to oversee those sacrifices in the temple that were made uh, for the forgiveness of sins. And so in the book of Hebrews, we have the author here, over the course of the whole book, you see him presenting Jesus as this greater and better high priest, the one who ultimately fulfills that role. Whereas the other ones uh, always fell short in some way, Jesus perfectly completes and satisfies those requirements. But there's another idea going on here at the same time, and, and he's playing them off one another. You see, Jesus is not just a high priest like Aaron, Instead, the author says that Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, it's important for us to pause here because Melchizedek is a very unique figure in the Old Testament. He shows up just one time in the narrative of Scripture, and that's all the way back in Genesis 14. 
In fact, if you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to flip back there to Genesis 14 because his, <clears throat> excuse me, his part in the narrative is just three short verses, and I want to read them for you. So this is in, in, uh, embedded in the story of Abram. Uh, Abram had, uh, in Genesis 12, was called by God to leave his homeland and his, his family and to move to what is now known as the Canaan, the promised land, Israel. And along the way, he, he ends up in Egypt for a while, collects a lot of possessions, and his, his nephew Lot and him end up separating because they have so much stuff, they, they need to make room for themselves. And over the course of time, Lot is, end, ends up being uh, swept up in this war between rival kings. And so Abram goes and, and rescues Lot and defeats these enemies. And after the battle, in Genesis 14, verse 18, this Melchizedek shows up out of the blue. It says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. He was, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise, to be God, praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave a tenth, they gave him a tenth of everything. And then Melchizedek disappears. They don't even mention him again in the, in the narrative of Genesis. There's this, it's interesting because Melchizedek, the very name means king of righteousness. And then he's presented as king of Salem, which could be also translated as king of peace. So there's this figure who is both king and priest described as, a, as a, a king of righteousness and a king of peace. And he comes and goes almost unannounced in the narrative of Scripture. Until Psalm 110, which is what we use for our call to worship this morning, when David in Psalm 110 is, is describing this figure who is to come, who is both king and priest, two offices which were not normally associated with one another. And yet he describes this coming figure, this Messiah, as one who is both king, who will reign from his throne, but also a priest, and in, specifically a priest in the order of Melchizedek. And it's that idea, it's this kind of mysterious figure from Genesis 14 and Psalm 110 that the author of Hebrews is, is describing in chapter 7 of, of Hebrews. And he says Jesus fulfills that role as this, this priest who will come in the order of Melchizedek. You see, the reason that uh, Jesus had to fulfill this role is because the old covenant, that old order of priests and sacrifices, was never meant to be permanent. The sacrifices that were offered needed to be repeated. The priests that served in that role would, would die and have to be replaced by somebody else. It was an ongoing system that never was finished. People continued to sin, and so they needed to more, have more sacrifices. People died, and they needed to be replaced. There was always more to be done. But the fulfillment of that role, all of these Old Testament sacrifices, Old Testament priests, even Melchizedek himself was meant to point us to something greater that is fulfilled in Jesus. The old covenant could not save, but its function was to point us to the one who can, to point us to Jesus, 
himself. And so that is why Jesus needed to come. That is why Jesus needed to do what he did on the cross was in order to fulfill these Old Testament roles and ultimately save us like no one else could. That's why it says later in chapter 7, he's able to save completely. It's verse 25. He's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. See, Jesus brought to fulfillment. He finished the work for us on our behalf. We need Jesus. We need this great high priest in the order of Melchizedek and we, because his ministry is, is both permanent and perfect. So let's talk about how it's permanent, right? So Jesus, his ministry is permanent in the sense that it is both finished and ongoing. What do I mean by that? Jesus's ministry is finished in the sense that his sacrifice was once for all. All right, Jesus does not need to continue to offer himself up on the cross. His sacrifice was, was permanent in the sense that it finished the job for us. That's why the author of Hebrews says in other places that, that in the, that Old Testament model, those sacrifices needed to be made over and over and over again because it was never enough. There's always more sin that needed to be covered up. And so those sacrifices needed to be offered continuously in the temple. But in Jesus, we see that those Sins are completely and totally forgiven. That's good news, isn't it? His one sacrifice is sufficient to forgive sins, both past, present, and future. Now think about that for a second. If you are in Christ, if you have experienced his salvation, if you have been covered in his blood, that means that the sins you haven't even committed yet have already been forgiven. That's good news because we continue to sin, don't we? I mean, how many of you, I know we're not a hand-raising church, right? So, so bear with me for a moment, right? How many of you would say that you have put your trust in Christ and that you are a, you are a Christian, you are saved, you are following Jesus? Can you get a show of hands? That's wonderful. I was really worried for that hesitation for a second there, but that's great. Thank you. Now, of those that raised your hands, how many of you sinned this week? How many of you sinned today already, right? Probably, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the reality. We are living both as sinners and saved simultaneously. That doesn't excuse sin, right? That doesn't mean we should allow sin to continue to reign in our lives. But the good news is that because of his sacrifice is permanent, because it is already accomplished, that sin has already been forgiven. That is the good news. And, and there's, there's rest in there. There's hope in that. There's peace in that. There's confidence in that because it means that, that even though we continue to make mistakes and we fall short, that God's grace in Christ is enough. That our great high priest who offered himself for us, that that sacrifice was sufficient. It says that his life, the power in verse um, 16, that it's the power of his indestructible life. See, Jesus is alive today. He offered himself yet three days later, he rose from the grave and, and he is alive today and always interceding for us. The word indestructible literally means that it cannot be stopped. It cannot be ended. And we see that because even though he died on the cross for us, he willingly gave his life. The grave could not hold him and he rose again. And so Jesus is alive today to always intercede for us. That means that Whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you're facing, whatever concern you have on your heart today, 
that we have a great high priest, that mediator. Remember, that's one of the functions of a high priest. That mediator is seated at the right hand of the Father, always interceding for us. That means when we continue to make mistakes, He's there to remind us that we are forgiven. When we need help, He's there to provide the help that we need. When we struggle, He's there to provide the the strength we need to get through our day. And, and, I, and I said this first, but I think we need to remember that that part of his intercession for us is to remind us that we are forgiven. If we are in Christ, if we have given our lives to him, then we are forgiven and there is no need for further sacrifice. You see, when we make mistakes and we sin, we sometimes fall into that trap of, of despair. We think that God can't possibly love us anymore. The enemy tempts us to think that we've made a mess of it. And we've run out of God's grace. But we need to remember that because Jesus died, his, his ministry, his, his, um, his work as high priest is permanent. Not only was the sacrifice sufficient for us, but we know that we have nothing to fear. And because he continues to intercede for us. Our closing song today, the, the hymn, Before the Throne of God Above. It's a... It's, a, it's an old hymn from, I think, the 1800s. It's not in our hymnal, though, so you may not be too familiar with it. But I want to read the second verse for you because this is exactly what I mean when I say his, he's always interceding for us. And if you want it, it's in your bulletin, of course. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. Right? There's our hope. There's the confidence and peace that we can have because of Christ. Now I have another illustration here. I had to hide these because I was afraid my kids might see them before, uh, before I got to use them. But in Genesis 15, well I should say in verse 22 of our passage here, it says that Jesus is the guarantor of this new covenant. He is the, the guarantee. He is the one who ensures that this is valid and true. Back in Genesis 15, just one chapter after Melchizedek shows up on the scene, Abram has a conversation with God and there God renews his covenant with Abram. He reminds them that, that God is faithful to fulfill his promises. And the way that he demonstrated that was by asking Abram to prepare and offer a sacrifice as a, as a sign of this covenant. And so Abram prepared this by, by sacrificing several animals and placing one half of their body on one side of the path and their other half <clears throat> over there. Um, we don't offer animal sacrifices here anymore. Thank you for that reminder. Uh, but I do have some stuffed animals. My kids love these things, these squash mellows. Now, I want you all to know that I am not going to tear this in half. Don't worry. Brought enough to, to demonstrate this. But Abram took the animals... And he set them on the path, one on each side here. You see, I have a lot of these. There's more. So Abram did what the Lord asked, and he set up this path. He sacrificed animals, and there was one half on one side and one half on the other. And the idea here is, is the people making this covenant would would agree to the terms and then they would either both walk through the center of it or the the lesser of the two would walk through the middle 
And in doing so, what they were saying was, if I don't live up to my end of the bargain, let me become like these animals that have been torn in two. In other words, I'm betting my life on this covenant. Now, in this situation, who do you think should pass through the middle of that between God and Abram? Right? Abram. Right? He's the lesser, obviously, of the two. But an interesting thing happens. When, after Abram prepares the sacrifice, it says that he is put into a deep sleep and passed through the middle of the animals. That flaming torch and pot represented God himself. Now what this means is that God was promising to fulfill the terms of the covenant on Abram's behalf. And he was promising to do it on the penalty of death. In Hebrews 7, it says that Jesus is the guarantor of this new covenant. How did he guarantee it? How are we, how can we have confidence in what Christ has done for us? Because he is the one who passed through death. He is the one who gave up his life for us so that we may live. That's the guarantee. Jesus himself said, I will die in your place so that you may live. And that we know that promise is fulfilled because three days later he rose from the dead, conquering death and sin itself. Jesus, as our great high priest, offered himself his ministry and his sacrifice as permanent. Now I do have to say also that his sacrifice is perfect. The last few verses of Hebrews 7 remind us that, that Jesus himself is holy and blameless and exalted, right? You see, the problem with the previous high priest wasn't just that they died, but that they were sinful just like the rest of the people. They had to offer sacrifices for themselves as well. But Jesus is, is totally different. He is perfect. He is perfectly obedient to the Father. He has never sinned. And so he doesn't need to offer a sacrifice for himself because he is perfectly and totally pure. And in these Old Testament sacrifices, when an offering was made, it was supposed to be perfect, right? Spotless, blameless, uh, a lamb without blemish, right? That is what they were supposed to offer up to the Lord. Because a sacrifice was meant to be perfect. It, meant, it had to cost you something. You didn't just give God your leftovers, you gave him your best. Well, sin required a perfect and infinite sacrifice. Hebrews elsewhere says, again, that uh, Pastor Tori illustrated this for us, the, the blood of animals and bulls and goats does not take away sin. It was only meant to point us to the sacrifice that does. And so no animal sacrifice could be enough to forgive our sins. We needed something better. We needed something more perfect. And so Jesus didn't offer an animal. He offered himself on the cross. His sacrifice was enough. It was totally perfect and completely sufficient to forgive our sins. See, that's why that's why we need Him. And that's why we need to remember that we need to remember just how much we need Him. Right? If Jesus went through all of that for us, then we've got to make sure that we're taking sin in our lives seriously. 
I asked you earlier, show of hands, right? We all acknowledge that we sin, but do we really understand how important it is for us to acknowledge that and turn from it and flee from it? Right? We should not take lightly what Jesus died for. Right? If sin was serious enough and a big enough problem that, that Jesus gave his own life, then, then we should not play around with it or take it lightly. And I'm preaching to myself just as much as I'm preaching to anybody else, right? We need to acknowledge sin for what it is and flee from it because Jesus did everything for us to be forgiven. So why would we play around with it any longer? See, that's the good news. That Jesus' sacrifice is sufficient for us. That it is permanent. That it is perfect. And there is nothing we need to add to or take away from it. And there's no other place that we need to look for salvation. We often try to find fulfillment and purpose and meaning in so many other things. We, we look to our own self for our righteousness. We look to other things that we think can, can provide for us and save us. But all of those things will eventually fall short because they are not the permanent, perfect mediator that we need. Only Christ can save us. So quit trying to fill your life with other things. Quit playing around with sin that so easily entangles, as Hebrews 12 says. And, and, and put Christ at the center of your life because that's what he did for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you gave us Jesus, our perfect and permanent high priest who is always living and interceding for us. Help us, Lord, to live into that. Help us to understand what that means for our own lives. And may we honor you in everything that we do. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing our closing hymn together.
know and experience his glorious love today. May you go in it and, and live in it in all that you do. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You may go in peace.